Hi, this is Sedge Thompson. Welcome to this special audio highlights podcast from West Coast Live. For more information about our shows and other guests and podcasts, wcl.org. Hi, may I sit here? Is this chair available? I'm going to sit at this uh, table here with uh, Norman Fisher, former abbot of the, uh, the San Francisco Zen Center. Now, I imagine one of the, uh, the perks was that you sometimes got to come over and eat in the, the restaurant. This was kind of like the company dining room. Yes, it was nice. Yeah. <laughs> and now that you're the, the former abbot, you still come here and eat. Sure, why not? Yeah. When you, uh, you have a new book out, which is about teaching kids uh, how, to be, uh, how to grow up. It's called Taking Our Places, The Buddhist Path uh, to Truly Growing Up. And one of the elements of this was how to teach young people to grow up. But, but you as a child had once made a vow to yourself that you never wanted to grow up yourself. That's true. It seemed like a very bad deal to grow up. <laughs> Lots of disadvantages and very few advantages. <laughs> and now, are, do you consider yourself grown up? I'm working on it. Yeah. And that's the point of the book. It's actually not just about young people, but in working with young people on issues of growing up, I came to realize that we're all working on growing up. And that's what the book is about, uh, about how all of us can reflect on what it means to grow up and kind of take the path to get there. One of the other guests on, on the show, Noah Levine, has made the observation that when he saw his, his, uh, his parents uh, working with Zen Buddhism and so forth, that, that all the teachers were contemporaries of the students, and now the teachers are much older than the students, and he's wondering where the teachers who are his own age are. Do you have an idea? Is there something in the, in the growing up process that will make somebody a, a good teacher? Well, new, younger teachers are emerging. It, it takes time. And Noah himself has been teaching and leading groups, so it's, it's happening. It's a long process, you know. T to, to come to some human wisdom, you have to have lived a lot and seen a lot and, and reflected on it, so it just, it just takes a long time, like, like the um, cheese we were talking about. Yeah. <laughs> you have to go into a cave. Yeah, you into a cave for about 10 years and just <laughs> mellow and let the sea breezes uh, blow on you, yes. And then you'll come out and there'll be instant maturity. Well, you'll come out and then you can start. And then you start. Yeah. Uh, writing this book to you was also a start. Yes, it was actually hard work because uh, I had to, as I was doing, I, you know, my, my other books are all uh, avant-garde poetry. So to go from avant-garde poetry to a fairly uh, understandable, linear discussion of maturity was a stretch for me. <laughs> how, how do you come, uh, there are so many books written about uh, Buddhism, uh, ranging from the, the popular to the serious and the scholarly, the, the easy self-help book to the, the introspective. Where, where do you place your book in that spectrum? Oh, I don't know. It's just a, an ordinary book about growing up in plain language, so I don't know where it falls in the spectrum. I, I, I imagine and I hope that it um, has a little more nuance and complexity than uh, a simple book, but it's not hard to understand. When you, how did you... Uh, grow yourself when working with the kids that you were helping to mentor? Did they seek you out as a mentor? Did you find someone that you wanted to mentor? Or was it a kind of a combination? Well, it wasn't my idea, nor was it theirs. As these things usually go, it was their parents' bright idea. The, the parents said, we think our sons need this, and they approached me, and uh, their 
they had met for a long time and talked about it, and uh, so when they approached me, it was pretty much I couldn't refuse. They were so they really wanted me to do it. They were really clear about how important it was. So I said, well, I've never done anything like this before, but I'll give it a try. And in the doing of it, uh, I learned how to do it with with these four young uh, boys. And so it was a, quite a a process. And I, I t talk about this in the book about how we fumbled around and came up with something that worked. And now. The Zen Center, as well as uh, the Spirit Rock community, have a number of programs going uh, for coming of age based on this model. And Noah is, has been was one of the first uh, mentors, other than myself, to take it on and grow the project. So it's it's flourishing. So I get the sense that there are in our in our culture, it's difficult to find a, a coming of age ceremony, and that that's one of the difficulties that that teenagers have finding themselves. Uh, and this is something you wanted to help with. Yeah, exactly. The the creation of a, of a real relationship between an adult who is willing to say, I don't have the answers, but I'm willing to think it through with you, Be, the relationship between an adult like that and young people actually doesn't happen. It doesn't really happen in, in the society. And it can't be your parents, because there's all kinds of built-in issues with parents. So it has to be somebody other than your parents, and it doesn't happen. So th that was the whole idea, is to create uh, context for that kind of relationship to occur, and that's what we did. And it was very valuable for, uh, for, for me as well as for the, for the boys. What was your growing up experience like? Was there a mentor for you? I mean, when I was a kid, yeah. Uh, yeah, I grew up in a very small town uh, with a small, uh, in a small Jewish community, and there was a rabbi who actually uh, was uh, lonely because he didn't have anybody to talk to, so he... <laughs> He, he decided that, that we would study together, he and I, and we studied together for about four or five years, uh, and it was that kind of relationship. We studied everything, not just Jewish uh, material, but all kinds of stuff. I'm still friends with him now, 40-some uh, years later. Was part of his teaching what led you to, to become an abbot? No, that was just uh, a coincidence, a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> what was the mistake? Did somebody say, oh, we, we actually thought it was the other Norman Fisher? Or? <laughs> no. No, uh, I uh, happened to be standing there at the time that they needed an abbot, and I happened to be standing right in the place where the wind blew and knocked me down. Yeah. And, uh, and now you've moved on and you've started an organization called Everyday Zen? Yeah, the Everyday Zen Foundation, which is mercifully much smaller and more quiet, obscure, and hard to find, <laughs> unlike the Zen Center. <laughs> How have you seen the, the popularity of Zen? I mean, in, in the, in, it was in the, what, the 19th century when Zen sort of came into this country. And the people who first brought it from Japan believed that the United States was an ideal ground for Zen to grow, Zen Buddhism. Well... I don't know about that, but I think that the original Zen pioneers from Japan, I believe, were a little frustrated with the way Zen had become institutionalized and fossilized in Japan. And they were looking for a, a possibility of, I think, themselves opening up their own practice and being able to find people who would uh, be willing to do that with them. And I think they did find in, in America that it was kind of wide open and the, and, and the religious lines were fuzzy enough that they could get in and do something. The, uh, and the role of, of Zen has uh, changed for these, uh, these kids that you worked with. Uh, how has it changed their life? Have you, because it's been a couple of years since you became involved with them. How have you seen their lives evolve as a result of this mentoring? 
Well, the, the, the proposition with them was not to give them religious instruction. I was not trying to indoctrinate them into Zen uh, at all. And uh, it was just the, the, the proposition was a real encounter, a real human encounter. And the, and the overriding question was, what does it really mean to be a grown-up? And insofar as something of Zen or Buddhism crept into that conversation, of course it did. But I wasn't trying to turn them into Zen Buddhists. And they've all, each one has evolved in his own way. Uh, none of them, as far as I know at the moment, is formally practicing Zen. But I think because of what we did together, there's a sense in which uh, I think they all appreciate uh, the Zen part of their background and the Zen part of that program. But I don't think any, any of them at this point in their lives are formally practicing. It wouldn't be too surprising to me to find that later on in their lives that they did start to practice, but we'll see. Norman Fisher, whose book is called Taking Our Places, The Buddhist Path to Truly Growing Up, just published effective today? Uh, I think it, was, it hit the bookstore two days, ago. two days ago. Now looking at this book, I mean, do you feel more grown up now yourself? <laughs> well, yes, when I look at the book, I grow at least five years older every time I see it. <laughs> Norman Fisher, we'll be back later with him here on West Coast Live. This is Edge Thompson. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Try out others from West Coast Live right here, and we look forward to having you in one of our audiences one day. For more information, wcl.org.